Today on Ag News Daily. You look at the soybeans and you say we have a situation, a power tank situation, where we could we could run out of soybeans this marketing year. And so at some point we might need to do a better job of price rationing soybeans because we are not price rationing demand. Good afternoon and happy Market Monday from the Ag News Daily Podcast. And today's Market Monday is sponsored by Zyway brand fungicides by FMC. And in case all of you forgot my voice, this is Ashton Carr reporting with Delaney Howell here. I haven't been on in a couple of days because Delaney has been reporting live from Commodity Classic. So I'm glad to kind of be back in the saddle today, Delaney. Yes, we missed you last week, Ashton, but we had a lot of good conversations with folks down at Commodity Classic, and I just feel like I learned so much, but to be honest with you, I'm a little tired today. I'm a little fuzzy. We had quite a bit of flight trouble last night getting home, flew uh, New Orleans to St. Louis, and had a delay there, about an hour delay, and then St. Louis to Des Moines had about a two and a half hour delay. So we didn't get home until about 2 a.m. this morning. And I was up and at it about 9 a.m., which is late for me, but only running on about six and a half hours of sleep tonight, today, today. You know, I got in a bit late as well, not 2 a.m. late, but I got back to my parents' house at about midnight last night. We had been at the Houston Livestock Show all weekend and got some bad news, unfortunately, Delaney. I don't know if you're super familiar with, you know, like major livestock shows or anything, but you know, you have your your certain weight class and you're not supposed to go over, you know, X amount. Well, Corley's pig was kind of riding the line there. The last time we had weighed him, he was about 296 and he couldn't go over 300. Well, you know, she got pinned back, was doing pretty good. Pig was looking good. We were excited and he weighed 301. So she weighed out of her weight class and had to hit the truck. So we weren't too happy about that one. No, I don't blame you. Yes, that would be devastating for someone who'd put in a lot of work and then couldn't show. I get it. Yeah, she was pretty upset yesterday, but she took it like a champ. So dad said he was really proud of the way that she held it together. And that meant more to him than winning, yada, yada, yada. But, you know, I still (laughs) would have liked that blue ribbon. I get it. I get it, Ashton. Well, I tell you what, we've got a lot of news to catch up on today. Uh, Why don't we go ahead and kick things off here? And I've got to be honest, most of my news is actually related to Russia, Ukraine today. There have been some recent updates and announcements that have happened largely over the weekend that I wanted to make sure our listeners were aware of. The first of which is Ukraine's deputy ag minister said they will start planting soon. He said there's enough grain on storage to feed the population. And it sounds like they are planning as of right now to go full steam ahead with planting season. That certainly weighed on the markets today. But in other Argent, or excuse me, another Russian and Ukraine related news, um, Ukraine also announced that they are going to ban any sort of fertilizer exports because, as we know, they are also a major contributor to the fertilizer market. But given the Russian invasion, the agricultural ministry said on Saturday that they will not be exporting any fertilizer products now, which joins a long list of other agricultural commodities that will not be exported for 
the near future. Uh, but they said largely the ban was to help maintain the balance in the domestic market. And for those farmers that are going to be planting, they need to have that available supply there in the country. So certainly two big pieces of news today coming out of Russia, Ukraine. Well, Delaney, some other pieces of news that came out of the U.S. is, of course, dealing with some more bird flu stuff. I know that you gave us a recent update of how many birds have actually been hit slash cold because of bird flu. But another update here, we have now seen some more flocks be hit in Kansas and Illinois. And the thing about this one that I wanted to talk about was that a non-commercial backyard flock was said that it was non-poultry in McLean County, Illinois. And I didn't understand the the non-poultry aspect of that. Yeah, I was about to ask that as well. Does it give any indication of what species it is? No, it just says that a non-commercial backyard flock and then in little parentheses, non-poultry in McLean County, Illinois. So not sure really what that's supposed to mean. But then the flock in Kansas that was hit was just a backyard mixed species poultry flock in Franklin County, Kansas. But yeah, just kind of a a small update there. I just thought that the non-poultry part was a bit questionable. Yeah, we might have to do some research into that one because I got to be honest, I don't know what that means either, Ashton. I don't either, especially because this is supposed to be bird flu. So I I was a little confused there. I didn't know if my sleepy brain was just playing tricks on me or what, but I'm reading it right. Uh, Okay, I believe you. (laughs) Well, another piece of news And I thought we'd mentioned this on the podcast last week and then realized, nope, this was just one of those conversations I had at Commodity Classic last week. But while uh, Secretary of Ag Vilsack was at Commodity Classic last week, I believe he spoke Friday morning to the group attending there at Commodity Classic. I did not get up for it. It was at like 7 a.m. So I'm going to be honest with you. I wasn't up that early. I slept in that morning. And He made basically three major announcements, but one of which was that the USDA has finally announced some support for additional fertilizer production for American farmers to help address rising costs. Now, I say finally uh, with a little bit of a poke there because this has been in the making, you know, for almost a year now where we've seen record high fertilizer prices, but the USDA is going to make $250 million available through a new grant program. Here's the kicker, Ashton. This new grant program is not going to be available until the summer. So as we're looking at supply chain issues, as we're looking at the Russia-Ukraine story, this summer doesn't really do a lot to help farmers who are struggling to find and source fertilizer now. Because even if this, these, this grant money goes towards you know new production or increasing capacity at some current places... Uh, there's still going to be a ramp up time as well. So I have a little bit of reservations about this grant program, to say the least. Well, you know, Delaney, just kind of to add on to that, I believe this is all in the same announcement, but Secretary Vilsack also said that the USDA is extending the application deadlines for the Partnerships for Climate Smart Commodities Program. He says that there's a lot of interest in this and producer groups who are putting together proposals wanted just a little bit more time. They asked for about a 30-day extension on submissions, and so the USDA had agreed to that. So the new deadline is June 10th for these programs, so if you're interested... 
I would look at the USDA's website. Funding for that will be provided through USDA's Commodity Credit Corporation. But Delaney, that's just a a little other piece of USDA news that I read about today. Yeah, and I think he maybe also mentioned that piece of news last Friday as well, Ashton. So I'm glad you brought that to our attention. But one thing that I've not been paying very close attention to, but need to, has been a strike going on in Canada, largely, with the Canadian Pacific Railway, uh, which is being is a strike being watched by many industries because... This couldn't come really at a worse time for many sectors in Canada as well as the U.S., but Teamsters Canada Rail Conference held on March 4th reported that it had completed and tallied the results of a strike vote and 96.7% voted in favor of strike action against Canadian Pacific if necessary. And a legal strike would take or will take place after midnight on March 16th, 2022. The main issues here that they're striking against include wages, benefits and pensions and the possible work stoppage, which again could happen after midnight on March 16th, would affect more than 3000 locomotive engineers, conductors, trains, person and yards persons at the Canadian Pacific Railway which is a very large rail system, Ashton. It accounts for a lot of fertilizer transports. It accounts for a lot of grain exports and travels and a lot of transnational uh, rail as well between the U.S. and Canada. So certainly could have big market impacts. And, you know, as I'm talking through this story, I've got to admit, I still don't know where the Canada trucker strike sits. So I'm doing a quick Google search to see if we've gotten through that. Well, you know, Delaney, this is something that I had reported on a little bit as it was kind of coming out last week, I believe, but we really didn't get a good look inside, you know, why exactly they were having this strike. But I am itching to see if something actually happens. I mean, that's just two days away that they're going to be potentially striking. Yes. And I just did a quick Google search. So this just came out last week, but protests over the trucker strike sound like they are largely over. And alongside of that, approval among Canadians about Justin Trudeau, their prime minister, is near a 12-month low, according to some different polling systems. So don't know if that was the trucker strike's intentions, but that certainly was a result that came out of that, Ashton. Well, Delaney, I just have one more piece of news that I wanted to talk about for today. But before we get into that, I want to put a pause on our conversation to hear a bit more from today's sponsor, Zyway Brand Fungicides by FMC. It changes everything. So says Indiana corn grower Nathan Davis about innovative Zyway LFR fungicide from FMC. Zyway brand fungicides are the first and only at-plant corn fungicides to provide unprecedented, season-long, inside-out foliar disease protection. Discover more grower and retailer success stories at zyway.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. 
Well, picking back up here, Delaney, the last piece of news that I have is coming from Brazil and a little bit from Canada, as the Brazilian Ag Minister said earlier today that Canada has now cleared imports of beef and pork from Brazil. And this is according to an official tweet from the Brazilian Ag Minister, and they said, we are in Ottawa and have just left the Canadian Ministry of Agriculture with great news. The ump the opening up of the country's pork and beef market. The minister who traveled to Canada who traveled to Canada to speak with local suppliers of fertilizers, especially some potash companies, said now Brazilian meat packers are able to export products to more than 200 markets around the world, which was her goal when she took over the ministry about three years ago. Dia said that she has several meetings with fertilizer companies lined up for today. So maybe we'll have a little bit more to talk about when it comes to the fertilizer side of things. But I don't know exactly how we got to fertilizer to beef and pork, but hey, whatever works, I guess. I guess that's true, Ashton. And speaking of beef fertilizer and other market products, what do you say we hop in and chat markets here? Let's do it. Well, Ashton, before we do that, let's take another quick message break here to hear from our sponsors today. Go long for season-long foliar disease protection that starts at plant. Only Zyway brand fungicides from FMC provide season-long foliar disease protection from the start. Active ingredient flutriafol moves through your corn plants as they grow for inside-out protection from roots to tassel. Growers and retailers are sharing their Zyway brand fungicide success stories at zyway.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. Well, Ashton, as we jump into the markets today, we certainly saw a lot of sell-off today, I think largely due to the news of Ukraine Ag Minister announcing that they would be getting into the field and getting things planted. And we'll take get Ted's take on that, Ted Seifert's take on that here coming up in just a moment. But in the meantime, make corn today closed down 14 and a quarter cents, close at 748 and a quarter. Dece new crop corn down two and three quarter cents, closing the day out at 652 and a half. Soybeans saw weakness today as well with the May contract shedding five and a half cents to close at 1670 and a half. November down a dime to settle at 1481. Wheat today saw some weakness in the Chicago contract and mixed trade in the KC contract. May Chicago wheat down 10 and a quarter today to close at 1096 and a quarter. The Dece down 26 and a quarter cent, settling the day out at 987 and three quarters. May Kansas City wheat today up 10 and three quarters cents to close at $11 on the nose. The Dece down nine pennies to close at 1052 and a quarter. And in livestock today, we saw mostly green across the screen as the April live cattle contract added $3.02 to close at a buck 40 32. The June up $2.75 to close at $135.70. Feeder cattle today saw not quite limit moves as the April contract added $4.42 to close at $1.62. The May up $3.72.5 to close at $167.45. And in lean hogs, a little bit of mixed trade today as the April contract shed $0.52.5 to close at a buck 20 The May down excuse me, the May up 15 cents to close at 110.30. Lastly, wrapping things up here with the class three dairy milk futures. The April today up 17 cents to close at 23.99. The May up 16 cents to close at 24.16. Ashton, without further ado, let's turn it over to our conversation with Ted Seifred.
Well, folks, for today's Hashtag Market Monday episode, chatting today with the one and only Ted Seifert at the Ted Spread on Twitter from, of course, the Zayner Group. Ted, did you enjoy your commodity classic last week? Yes. Uh, yeah, I had a great time at uh, Commodity Classic. It was great to see you, Delaney. And uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. I, New, York, New Orleans is one of my favorite uh, Commodity Classic host cities, um, that and San Antonio. So yeah, no, it was a lot of fun. I'm uh, glad to be back, though. <laughs> yes, I <laughs> am as well. Week in New Orleans can be a bit much, right? It can be. I agree. But also one of my favorite locations. But Ted, I'm curious, because I know you guys chatted with a lot of growers last week, a lot of your customers. What was the big question? What was the big buzz that was coming from those conversations? Well, I mean, you know, the question you don't really like to hear is, you know, how high are we going to go? And, you know, because the answer to that is that this isn't really a technical thing at this point. This is all news headline driven and trying to predict what's going to happen in with Ukraine and Russia and so on and so forth is a very, very difficult thing to do. Um, the better question is, you know, what should I be doing with these markets right now? And the fact of the matter is that we're looking at historically high prices. Uh, yes, there are. Uh, reasons or there's a setup for how we could get to record high prices in corn and beans. Uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen. And, and you look at, you know, some of these rallies that we've had before in the spring and they tend to top out right around this time frame. Uh, and there are things that can destroy these bull markets in a pretty quick order. So you have to be cognizant of that. I think you have to be fairly aggressive with your marketing here, looking at taking advantages of the good prices that we have out there. But then also, okay, what do I do to have some upside potential? I mean, there's re-ownership strategies. There's things you can do so that you're still participating in higher markets if, in fact, they do go higher into June or July. Uh, but you don't have the risk of these markets falling apart and then you missing your chance to sell good cash prices. So uh, it really, you know, there's a thing I've been talking about a lot about lately. It was just a synthetic put. Uh, it's synthetic put traditionally, you know, when traders talk about that, that's buying a future, I'm sorry, selling a future and buying a call, right? Because what that means is that, um, you know, you're short the future, the market goes up, that normally would be a bad thing, but you own the call. So the call is going to take care of your short future, but, it, but, uh, you have downside, you, you have your downside cover, you have your floor in place. So, um, Producers can do that by selling cash, not having to sell futures or an HTA, which is somebody else selling the future for you. Uh, but producers can do that by making cash contracts and then coming to the board and buying a call. So, again, you're creating a put without buying a put because you're, you are making the cash contract. Puts are very expensive now, right now, by the way. So, uh, that's how I would be recommending to do it. Otherwise, you can if you're fine with paying for the puts. You know, that's cool, too. But you should be doing something to protect your downside at these really good prices because things can and do change very quickly. If we've learned anything over the last five years or so, Delaney, it's that things are going to change and yes. things that we don't see are going to happen. Yes. And I'm glad that you gave that little strategy play there because I think that's been a lot of questions that I was hearing last week and into this week. I even had a guy calling me this morning saying, okay, now what do you make of this market situation? But today in particular... Uh, well, I guess I don't know when this announcement came out, but just within the past couple of days, we saw Ukraine's deputy ag minister say that they will start planting soon. Was that largely the reason for today's sell-off in particular, Ted? 
Yeah, so that in combination with the reports that Ukraine is actually starting to export again very slowly, it's happening mm-hmm. by rail, it's about 20,000 tons per day. So the fact that they they say they're going to plant, again, that's the thing we're going to have to see what happens there. I, I, I don't know how you plant in an environment where you've got enemy fire and tanks running through your, your fields and yeesh. I mean, I, I don't know. It's really, this is an unprecedented thing, Delaney. In the time we've been trading markets, we've not seen a land invasion of one of the major, largest top five producers of corn and wheat. Uh, we've never seen this before. So we don't know what to expect. I, I don't know what to say about planting. I'm very skeptical about that, even though they say they're going to. Um, and the exporting, okay, if they're limited to 20,000 uh, tons per day by rail, well, I mean, that's not really enough to make a dent in anything. So, yeah, uh, we had a fair amount of strength in corn last week, and we gave some of that back today. Now, we did end up closing back above the short-term 10-day moving average, so it did save itself a little bit there at the end of the day. So you wonder if this was just a, a bit of a uh, technical correction, a bit of a breather, you know, correct the RSIs. I don't know if we're going to be under a tremendous amount of pressure for tomorrow, but we'll see. If you look at the crude oil market, though, that is more affected by the fact that Russia and Ukraine are sitting down for talks again. So there is also, on top of, you know, they're saying they're going to plant, they are exporting a little bit, but these talks have the potential to maybe stop this, you know, and at least the market's respecting that. I don't know if the market really thinks that's going to happen, but it's respecting that there is that possibility. So all three of those things had pressure on corn today, at one point had pressure on wheat, except for Russia said they might suspend grain exports until June 30th. So that really kind of turned the wheat around midday, even though it closed a little bit lower, it's still way off the lows. Uh, So just lots of news headlines, most of them, uh, at least for corn and wheat and crude oil, really coming out of the Ukraine, uh, Russia situation. But I mean, you know, if you don't like the news, you just wait five minutes and you'll have some contradicting story, it seems. At least that's, that's true. what today felt like. Um, but, and then soybeans kind of doing their own thing just all together. Well, and speaking of contradictory news, we saw last week on the WASD report a very different number than what CONAB reported last week for their soybean number. What, what, are, we, what are we factoring in here? What, what number do you think is more accurate? Or what, market, what number does the market care more about? CONAB's report or USDA's number? Definitely the USDA's number. Um, the CONAB numbers and the USDA numbers don't usually match. They're, I mean, they're, they can be close, but they're, they're not always the same. Um, the fact that the, the USDA did lower as much as they did on that USDA report kind of suggests to me that there will be more uh, reductions coming. Uh, I don't think we'll see the USDA get down to a 122 for Brazil soybeans. I was thinking more around 124 to 125, but either way, I mean, we were we were talking 144. Some people were talking one upper 140, mm-hmm. and so we've cut we've effectively cut at least 20 million metric tons off of their production. That's going to come to us. You think that the USDA increasing our exports 40 million bushels is just the the beginning, right? And and so when we start talking about um, you know our earnings specs for this year, I, I think. You know, you wonder if it's going to end up being below a 200 million bushel carryover, which at this day and age represents an extremely tight stock to usage ratio and really effectively means we're going to run out of soybeans. Um, 
And then also, what does that do for next year, too? Because if we do only plant 88 million acres of soybeans like the USDA had in their outlook form, uh, they were giving us a carryover on that 88 million acres and a 51 and a half uh, national average yield. They were giving us a carryover of 305. But we already are seeing a ton of new crop sales for soybeans. So I don't think their their export demand for next year was right yet. And then we're already saying, well, our old crop carryover is declining. So the carry-in stocks for next year aren't going to be there. So you look at the soybeans, you say we have a situation, a power tag situation where we could we could run out of soybeans this marketing year. And so at some point, we might need to do a better job of price rationing soybeans because we are not price rationing demand at $17 old crop beans. It's just the crush is still rocking and rolling. Mm-hmm. Our daily export sales are happening yeah, on a daily basis. Our weekly export sales are, wow, they're very, very impressive at a time of year where we should be handing it off to Brazil, but that's not happening. Um, and yeah, you know, I, it's, I don't think we're seeing the gains in soybean acreage that we originally thought. So again, you have a situation where we could be price rationing soybeans for this marketing year, but it looks like unless there's a big surprise on acreage, it looks like we're going to be in a very similar situation again next year. So uh, the soybean scenario is a little bit different than what it is for corn and wheat. Um, but overall, it's a, it's a pretty explosive potential scenario going into the first half of the growing season. Well, Ted, you said earlier, you don't like it that growers are, you're concerned that growers are asking you how high, but it sounds like a lot of the factors you're mentioning there also paint that picture to say, how high will this thing go? Well, yeah, but I'm not going to answer that question because I can't tell you what's going to happen over the course of the next three weeks, four weeks, three months, you know, but it goes back to the point of, Hey, look, you're looking at almost $15 new crop beans. You're looking at, you know, you've had your chance to sell $17 on the board for, for May beans. These are historically good prices. You have to take those chances. You have to take these opportunities. But if there was ever a time to come in and reown some bushels going into the first half of a growing season, this is it. You know, if we have that, that drought that's in the south and west, if that moves north and east like, like it likes to do, and we're dealing with drought for, for this growing season, if, um, again, if we do go for another three, four, five weeks of export sales like this, and we say, hey, we don't have any more beans to sell, you know, again, the powder keg is there. It's explosive. But you can't count on that as your marketing plan. You have to say, these are great prices. I need to make some sales here. I just, I need to make some sales because that's proper risk management. But like I said, if there was ever a time to come in and have some re-ownership strategies, it's now. And for corn, same. there's a similar situation that is a potential for corn. Uh, at the moment, the market's not seeing it. And it's because of that second season Brazilian corn crop. Everybody, the USDA and everyone else, expects that crop to be there and to be 86 million metric tons. However, it's still another La Nina year, the double dipper La Nina, two years in a row. And we had very high input costs going into their planting season. They're still having a very hard time getting nitrogen. What if that crop, instead of an 86 million metric ton crop, what if it's an 80 million metric ton crop or 78 or 76 or lower? Last year, it was a 60 million metric ton crop and they were expecting 84. So there is downside risk in that Brazilian crop that nobody's really talking about right now. And if that were to happen, we could barely, very quickly see an increase in exports also coming from the fact that Ukraine's not really exporting right now. Uh, and what if our corn carryover ends up at like a 900 million bushel carryover? That's a price rationing scenario for corn, in my opinion. 
And then all of a sudden you're talking the potential for record prices because of the inflationary scenario that we're in. So soybeans have that power tag that is very easily, uh, I see a very easy path to, to having to very aggressively price ration soybeans. And I'm not sure what price those are at because crush margins are very good. And with inflation, it's hard to say mm-hmm. how high we could go. Uh, and corn, I think, has a path to having a similar scenario, even though we're not really there yet. Well, Ted, speaking of inflation, I kind of want to end here because I know the Federal Reserve uh, begins two days of meetings this week to discuss monetary policy. And they mentioned that they were going to be tightening their monetary policy as well as adjusting for Russia-Ukraine situation there. Tell us, what's your take on this? What does that mean that they're going to tighten their monetary policy? Well, at some point, the Fed has to start raising rates more aggressively because they have to fight inflation, right? And the Russia-Ukraine thing is creating implied inflation because you've got rallying crude oil, although the last few days have been different, and you have rallying wheat, which, again, the last few days have been different. Um, So for them to fight that, the easiest tool that they have, the easiest tool the Fed has, is to raise interest rates. So all of this is kind of leading us to believe that the, the Fed is going to get aggressive with increasing interest rates and fighting this inflationary uh, climate that we have. And in the long run, that is not a good thing for commodity prices. We could be in a very different story uh, by the time we get to the by the time we get the harvest of the crop that we're about to get in and start planting. Uh, which is why you really do need to take advantage of these prices. But, you know, if if the Fed's getting aggressive on raising rates and instead of inflation, we start talking about deflation and we have a good crop and things in in Russia, Ukraine have really calmed down and they're exporting again. And, and we didn't have the big drought scenario in this country, then, oh, boy, I mean, you know, you can start talking about four dollar corn again. And, and again, that's the prices we have now are really a lot more attractive than four dollar corn. Absolutely, they certainly are, Ted. But again, you gotta reward those markets uh, when they need rewarded, and it sounds like that is your take right now. Certainly appreciate your time coming on the podcast today, Ted. If folks want to pick your brain, chat markets with you a little bit more, how can they find you? Yeah, of course. You can reach me directly at three one two two seven seven zero one one three. Aside from that, you can find us on the web at www.zaner, that's Z-A-N-E-R.com. You can also find me on Twitter. I am at the Ted Spread. Fantastic, Ted. Well, thank you again for coming on today to chat markets with us. Certainly appreciate it. My pleasure, Delaney. Anytime. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me on. Thanks again there to Ted for coming on for this week's Market Monday interview. We've got some great things lined up this week, folks. So do tune in to agnewsdaily.com to stay on top of all things Ag News Daily. With that, Delaney, should we let the people go? Let's let them go.